Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Takeaway Club where I talk to interesting people across different walks of life to get to know their stories and more importantly how they got to where they are. Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Takeaway Club. Today I have the Nathan Latka on the podcast. Nathan Latka is an Investar podcast producer, founder, a Facebook influencer among a lot of other things. Nathan started his first company Heyo after dropping out of college. Uh he then started the Top Podcast where he interviews SaaS founders and has published over 3000 episodes. I'm going to repeat that number, 3000 episodes and uh, has had conversations with every founder you could possibly think of including founders from Freshworks, G2, Zoom among many many others. He has also published a book called How to be a capitalist without any capital which is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. and that is not all nathan is currently the founder and ceo at founderpath a fintech company which helps saas companies increase cash flow without diluting any capital by offering loans based on their mrr all right nathan are you ready to take us to the top krishna we have to stop right there that was a hell of an intro i don't know i don't know if it's going to get any better than that thank you you know i do uh, have been working on it for over a year now uh, i'm very thankful that i was able to nail it for you <laughs> No yes. you're great. Tell I'm happy you're I'm yours for I'm yours for however long you need me. How can I help? Awesome. So Nathan, obviously I think that intro speaks volumes, right? And uh, that is probably the most power packed intro that I could possibly think of for any of the guests I have had here. Uh so we'll probably start off with this, right? So Austin Texas, uh you did architecture, you flipped burgers for some time and you were a lifeguard uh for some time and 10 years later bam, you're like this Howard Stern for the SaaS ecosystem. So fill the blanks for me. What went down during that 10 years before Gitlatka, before Heyo? So before Hayo, I mean, I grew up in Northern Virginia, I in Loudon County. I wanted to be an architect. I went to Virginia Tech, and I quickly realized, uh, Krishna, that if you like money, uh, you probably shouldn't be an architect because you've got to be point like oh 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 one top percent to make any amount of money. Otherwise, you're like broke most of your life. I didn't want to do that, so I launched an agency that helped fa- uh, people build Facebook fan pages back in sorry twenty ten twenty eleven. and quickly realized the way to scale that was to turn it into software and charge people monthly to use the software. I didn't know what SaaS was back then. And so I bootstrapped that up to about 50 or 60,000 bucks a month in revenue before something big happens, but I'll stop there for now. Awesome. So, uh so uh, I think one angle that I want to take throughout this conversation is uh I personally had the benefit of listening to you know every podcast that you have been there already and i've read the book which you have uh, in the background as well right uh, so i want this conversation to yes that's the one how to be a capitalist without any capital the most read page in this book if you look on kindle can you get can you guess it's this one page 6 because i put my tax return in there oh, everyone yes. re- this was this was my tax return when i was 21 years old at my first company our first year we did a million bucks in revenue that's the most highlighted thing in kindle it's amazing i was just starting when i was 21 basically as i was saying i want this conversation to complement some of the other podcasts you have done so i'm going to make sure uh two conversation that i really enjoyed is one with uh, indie hackers that you did and another one on the pump podcast so that is the conversation that i go back to every 3 months once whenever you know i'm feeling down or i feel like 
i need that jolt of motivation along that theme uh, i want to understand what are some of the turning points in your life in your early days right before get latka so uh, anyone looking at your profile it's not hard to figure out that this is a highly unconventional way of operating what tell me what you mean by unconventional uh see of the top of my head uh, you know something as simple as getting in 30k in pre orders you know before even having a title for your book i'll say the biggest thing is that i don't fall in love with my own ideas right so there's a lot let's use the book for example there's a lot of people that really want to be great writers they want to put out great books but you know what they do they slave for years and years writing this book and years they finally put the book out 5 years later and it's crickets nobody cares nobody reads it it doesn't rank on amazon nobody buys it they make no money they have no impact on the world um i want the opposite to be true i'm lazy i want to do the least work possible right so i don't fall in love with idea listen if people love a book idea and they're willing to pay for it up front then maybe i'll get excited enough to write the book and that's exactly how i operated right so we pre-sold a lot of the book i'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of sales of the book ahead of time before i even had a title and once i did that i said okay i'll write the book and i didn't eventually i didn't even write the book i tried to write it and i got bored so i said let me do the podcast version first so i did the audio version of the book and then transcribed it and now you know washer journal best seller but th- this is the key i meet so many founders that fall in love with their own ideas and nobody cares and i think it's the biggest like that's the most devastating thing about life because our time is limited you don't want to fall in love with your own ideas validate them first and then spend the time building them see i think you kind of uh, intertwine two brilliant points right there so one is not don't fall in love with your own idea there is a clear distinction between that and taking the path of least resistance and you have managed to do both well in a mind blowing fashion hey going on for you and then you sold hey when you were 22 and then you jumped into podcast and uh, you turned that into a book uh, and then you have a magazine so these are all you know carefully thought out steps at each point of your life which kind of maximizes what you've uh, already worked on so basically you don't start from the scratch for anything that you do right so walk me through your decision making process how much of this is deliberate and carefully laid out and how much of this is going with the flow i think this is a massive mistake people make when they study successful people as you look at the story and you go this is premeditated Um and I think if any found if anyone who's highly successful any billionaires whatever tell you that I would say they're probably full of shit because nobody knows what they're doing they're all trying to figure it out as they go along and what happens is the smart people figure out how to like plant seeds and the things that start taking off they weave together the others they let die and in the end once you're done weaving you have a beautiful basket right that holds a lot of money right and that's where your wealth comes from so you know I mean Elon's doing this just I think incredibly well right now right he's got basically vertical and horizontal integration with gigafactories that tie into Tesla that tie into solar panels right that sort of ties all this together I think a lot of people in life they make this mistake where they they undervalue their story and so you have to be able like I have to be able to look at I can tell you like where I am today which is we want to put out 300 million dollars of capital next year to bootstrap SaaS founders to help them keep equity but beat their VC back competitors using capital from us. I can go back to when I was 19 and I launched my first SaaS product and tell you every year how it led up to exactly where I am today and why I am uniquely qualified with an unfair advantage to be doing what I'm doing today because of that. 
And so this all comes down to storytelling. It was not premeditated. You know, you should drill down on that. You know, walk me through from Heyo to Founder Path today. So, so the Heyo exit, um, and I think what you're referencing, by the way, with the $6.5 million exit, this is page 243 in the book. My lawyers hated that I included this, but you guys can see here, this is an LOI from Constant from Eye Contact saying that they wanted to buy the company for $6.5 million. And if you look at the header in this book, this was on October 20th, 2011. Now, Krishna, I had bootstrapped the business of 50 grand a month in revenue, and then some VCs reached out and I raised 2 million at 8.5 pre-money valuation, 10.5 post-money. So you tell me, if you raise at a 10.5 valuation and then get an offer for 6.5 million, can you take the offer? No, that is not the best case scenario you are looking at. The board's going to block it. But I still owned 70% of the business as a 21-year-old with 6.5 million in front of me. Post-tax, that would have put like, you know, what is that? Three and a half million dollars in my bank account. I wanted to take the offer. I couldn't, right? Because of this. So I learned quickly what it was like to get diluted by investors, to give up control because of investors, and to manage a board full of investors. And I hated all three. That's why we're doing Founder Path today. You can get capital with no board, keep all your equity, and you do not have to manage investors, right? And so I did not sell the business for 6.5 million. I couldn't take this deal in 2011. What I did instead is I kept slaving away for three, four more years, paying myself a decent salary for that age because I set my own salary. It's like $150,000 salary, right? Um, still living in my college town. But ultimately what I did is I flash sold the business for $300,000 of cash in 2015 because I realized, and it took me a while to come around to this, that I thought selling for a loss would look negative in the market, but the biggest negative was my, my opportunity cost. I'm young, I'm single, I can do anything. And I'm sitting here slaving away in a business that is not growing, that I don't own hundred percent of anymore. I just need to flash sell it. So that's what we did. There's 1.1 million. We had still cash in the bank from the raise. We had 300,000 we sold for. So 1.4 million, I gave back to the investors who put in 2 million and I moved on to my next thing. And Christian, and I asked all the investors, I said, Hey, you've just watched me operate for three years. Where do you think I'm really strong? What should I do next? And many of them said, Nathan, the number one way you grew Heyo was you were so entertaining on webinars. You need to go into media. And that's why I launched the podcast with SaaS entrepreneurs, combining two of my traits, right? That's how it started. Awesome. And it doesn't stop right there. So uh, I've listened to a ton of your podcasts and uh, it's how would you uh, describe how would you describe them uh sometimes i mistake it for you know if i'm watching an F fbi episode or something you know just <laughs> and again again i mean it in the nicest way possible i was listening to the chat with jito's founder and some of the details that you share in the conversation i don't think i can come across them anywhere else this super fascinating to me is it's one thing to nail it down that this is the podcast angle i'm going to take and then to go from there to say hey i actually have a lot of these data how do i productize this whole thing right that's how you have gone about thinking whatever you have done you would be able to, uh, like, if you look at my past five years, um, you would be able to decode me fairly quickly and predict my next moves. If, if you understood this about what I believe about the future, which is the most successful products are going to be the ones with the largest audiences. It could be a circle community or an email newsletter. It could be a podcast you run. It could be whatever community or attention you have on you. Those founders are going to build the biggest and best products. And so I'm a big believer in investing in distribution before you even know what product you're building. 
pick a niche, pick a sector, build distribution, then figure out the product later. So I know I'm always going to be serving founders. I know I'm always going to be serving SaaS founders. I'm probably always going to be serving bootstrapped SaaS founders of which today there's only about 7,200 in the world with more than a million dollars in revenue. And there's about 30,000 with less than a million in revenue, but more than a dollar. So my total market that I want to help is about 45,000 bootstrap SaaS founders with more than a dollar of revenue. And so back from five years ago, I'm just building more things to try and get more of their brain time. Because if they're thinking about me, they're going to buy from me in the future. So the podcast is first. If you listen to every episode, I have 20 minutes of your day already. We're building a relationship, 20 minutes every day. The next thing is, you know what? Podcasts sometimes don't work on planes because there's no Wi-Fi. What do people do on planes? They read books. I need a book. I need airport distribution. So we launched the book, right? The book does well. And I'm like, wow, you know what? A lot of bootstrap founders, they're flying a ton. They're business people. I want more exposure in airports. What else can I sell right next to my book? Well, I could sell a magazine, right? Well, how can I create a compelling magazine that doesn't exist already? Well, Forbes doesn't have my podcast data, nor does Entrepreneur and nor does Fortune. So let me build a magazine around my unique podcast data. And so all these moves I'm making are to basically get more of the attention of bootstrap SaaS founders, which I'll build products for, for the next many decades, the current one being founder path. That's how I think about strategy. Awesome. So you set this one big audacious goal, which is, you know, help bootstrap founders in any way you can. And you go about uh, building specific knowledge in what you do, and you turn that into a business, and then you build a moat around that business. And you, well, you have to love the game too, right? So the reason I love this idea of supporting bootstrap founders is they don't get the Wall Street Journal headline. They don't get the TechCrunch headline, but I know the founders that get those headlines and I interview them. And a lot of them are unhappy, broke, divorced, right? Shitty lives, but they get the headlines and you think they're like amazing. Like they sleep none. I mean, way like bootstrap founders are way healthier. Many times they're way richer. They have bigger, beautiful families that travel more frequently. They have more freedom. And so I love this idea of making bootstrap founders richer than their VC-backed competitors, richer based on money, richer based off time, richer based on whatever. That's why I love, I sort of think of myself almost like a, like a talent agency for bootstrap founders. My goal is to promote bootstrap founders through my magazine, the podcast, the book, et cetera. Are you friends with Andrew Gastecki, MicroAquare? So... Andrew likes to sort of say he loves supporting bootstrap founders, but then, you know, he gets very mad when TechCrunch doesn't feature him when he raised 3 million for microacquire. And then he like gets into this Twitter war. So I think Andrew, unfortunately, desperately wants the attention that a big VC backed founder gets, which is goes directly against what he says he's trying to build. Now, I think Andrew's done something really incredible with his first company, which he bootstrapped and sold. And I wish he sort of just focused on that and that story over and over, but instead he's sort of gone this other path. So I think what he's building is important. I think there are a lot of other companies doing interesting things. There, Flippa is moving very quick in this space as well. Um, there are some others popping up, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I might have Andrew soon. Well, good. Make sure you say, what do you think of Nathan? And if he says nice things about me, I'll say nice things about him. If he hits me hard, I'll bury him. <laughs> Conversationally, I'm not talking, that's not a threat, but you understand yes. what I'm saying. So, but I'll, I'll keep this in mind. And as someone who's, you know, super inspired by what both you guys pull off in this space, I think I'm 
really looking forward to how this is going to pan out in the next five well, years. Or so. the, the, the thing though, so, you know, these sites that help you sell your business, right? Um, when you talk to most bootstrap founders, you know, they might be doing like a million bucks in revenue, like their valuation is probably five, six, 10 million. Um, they don't actually want to sell the whole business because when you ask them, what would you do with the money when you sold? Many of them would say, I'd start doing the same thing again. So they don't want to exit, but the reason they exit is because they want cash. Their net worth is tied up in their equity value of the business and they want cash. So like, imagine if there was a way to get these bootstrap founders personally, a lot of cash using the value of the shares in their own company, but allowing them to keep building their own company. Cause that's what they're going to do anyway. I'm thinking a lot about this at founder path right now. Much of what you have done so far, uh, it's all about personal brand building and, uh, it has this, uh, you know, uh, push at all costs attitude, uh, which is extremely helpful for building a media legacy. Now that you have actually managed that, how are you reinventing yourself as a uh, SaaS founder this time, where uh, you need a lot different set of skill sets basically to whatever got you so far? Mm -hmm. Well, I have the best people around me at Founder Path. I have the most incredible engineers, the best finance people, unbelievable legal counsel great partners, great founders. Uh, we have the best. And so we're playing a long-term game. I think it's important. When I did the first episode of the podcast, I told myself, even if nobody listens, I'm recording hundred episodes right now. We're doing, you know, 3000, right. Five years later. So founder path is the same way. I mean, we're going to be working. I'm committed to founder path for the next five years, even if we make no money, which we're making a lot now, but even we're making no money. Um, and so there's not a lot of reinventing happening. I'm just being myself. I'm actually tripling down on what I really am, right? I'm being more of myself and just surrounding myself where, with, with people where I have gaps and we have a really talented team over at founder path. So that's the focus. Right. So stick to what you are terrific at and outsource everything else. Not, not even stick to it, like quadruple down on it. Right. It's like, if I'm a teacher in a middle school and a student gets an A plus in math and F's and everything else, most teachers and parents would try to help the kid bring up the F's. I would focus on making the kid even better at the A plus thing, because that's where they're going to be like differentiated in life. Right. So uh, how, how is the team like at FounderPath? So I'm assuming that you take care of all things business and marketing essentially. So how big is the team? So uh, who do you have to, I know you have uh, one of the product makers of the year as a co-founder, but uh, what's the rest of the team like? Yeah, my number one job is to help bootstrap founders, one-on-one uh, -on -one calls, marketing, give them information, help them like understand what the, the market they're playing and give them ideas. So, so, so there's me. Uh, Mubs, who's product hunt maker of the year in 2016. You know, when I launched, I said, I want to get with the best maker out there. Who is the best creator? Well, product hunt maker of the year would be a good place to start. So Mubs is an incredible. We then have Charlie, who's sort of an undercover ninja. He builds codes extremely quick, very responsive to founders. And then Kevin, who leads everything financial. So we're four people strong, but we've gone from zero to a $3.3 million run rate, right? In under 18 months. So I think we're one of the fastest growing companies out there in the FinTech plus SaaS space. And we're just getting started. These are going to be round. These are going to be decimal errors 10, 20 years from now. That's amazing. So I think I'm going to keep an eye out for FounderPath for a long time to come from the looks of it. Uh, so uh, what, a couple of, you know, because you 
asked for the hard hitting questions uh so everything that i've read about you or listen so it's always about you know uh, how successful nathan is or how nathan managed to pull this off how did nathan uh, you know uh, get a rolls royce for free when he had like 5000 instagram followers so it's always the good stuff that uh, which i feel like you have you know carefully managed to craft a story around uh, but talk to me about the dark side right i am sure uh, the style that you have uh, it 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 rubs off some people in the wrong way for sure what what do you think like sucks about being nathan latka right now nothing it's unbelievable <laughs> it's maybe the be- like i don't want to be anybody else uh there's plenty of negative stuff out there about me i write about like listen in the book i talk about how i had to flash sell my first company right uh like i i you know i talk about how i it was a big wash basically but there's a bunch of learnings there look i think there's there's certain kinds of types of characters in life there there's one kind of character where when something negative happens they use that thing as an excuse and then it affects all their future days right like what i do is if something negative happens right like like i sold my business at a massive loss i made no money on the deal despite spending 6 years my the best years of my life building this thing that sucks instead of like blaming and just being down and blaming like all my future negative days on like this thing that happened to me you just start telling yourself positive things about like okay this is good it's happened i'm still young i'm not stuck in a thing i don't enjoy anymore i have great investors that want to invest in my next thing right i learned how to build a saas company i hired 40 people i fired 20 people i learned how to let somebody go which is a valuable trait to learn early in life and i learned so much so I just choose to focus on the positive stuff every time something happens including when major news outlets come and hit me hard because my name is getting so much search traffic they want some of the search juice for their ad business and I've had major major news outlets hit me very hard um I think they're frankly pretty poorly written articles many of those media brands are losing revenue like you wouldn't believe many of them I think will be in bankrupt in 5 years while Nathan Latka's brand get latka and the magazine are taking off So I'm not worried about this. I need smarter enemies frankly. People people don't like media businesses especially don't like people that make a lot of money because frankly most writers are broke. Right? So they like hitting people that make money. So that's fine. I expect you'll see many more articles like that coming out as I continue to have success with my team. Uh it's they won't surprise me. I'm ready. How how do you how do you not let that affect you? Is is it just thick texas skin or there's more to it? you just have to realize like in the moment for some people like when i like my first the first time i ever got a letter from a lawyer when i was like 21 from someone else threatening to sue heyo you think it's the end of the world like you were worrying if you track your vital signs your resting heart rate increases like way up like it's traumatizing but what you realize is if you just go to sleep and you just wake up the next morning before you know it it's not even a big deal so now when like traumatizing things like this happen it's very easy for me to just realize you know what tomorrow this is not going to matter people are going to be on to the next headline it's not going to matter so just stay focused i just don't let it affect me you know what you should do after this call you know what get zenlatka.com zenlatka zenlatka <laughs> where you just you know give life yeah. yeah no i that's why we're doing the podcast they got to come listen to the podcast to learn how to do this but yeah you can't um Look, I also come from a family where my 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 father is always worrying. Always worrying. It's such a negative thing. So like I ruthlessly cut negative people out of my life. I want ener- high energy people all the time uh and uh and and I think it's really important. 
i don't know man maybe it's just the age speaking but uh you just make a lot of it sound easy so i'm how old are you 23 okay listen i will sue i'm have my legal send you a lawsuit tonight so you know how it feels that way the next <laughs> time it happens you won't, you won't care that much awesome yeah i th- yeah i think you should do that you know no Perfect. monetary Done. exchange nothing just send a note i'm just you know write an article how i got sued by the great latka krishna <laughs> if you publish this episode i will sue you so far you won't even know what to do it yourself you will be buried <laughs> There you go. Awesome. Take that little audio snippet, make it yes. the make it the <laughs> teaser for this and go, "Oh my gosh, my interview with Nathan went off the rails." <laughs> yeah, you know, once we go off the record, I have a few stuff I want to show you which <laughs> I have a strong feeling that you'll love, right? Okay, uh, great. But but before we get there, let's do this. So, let's take, you know, each one of your projects right from Heyo, and I want you to give me what is one out of the box thing or one you know call it a hack or aha moment or whatever right uh, whether it's like flipping the whole concept of sponsorship uh, instead of looking at downloads looking at cac or this whole um, uh, pre booking bookshelves at airports when there is covid and uh, you know it costs much lesser so mm-hmm. let's do this one by one for every one of your projects and give me that one killer idea where you felt like you had outdone yourself at that point let's start mm-hmm. off with heyo so yeah i'll give you three growth sort of hacks in the next 6 minutes one at heyo one with my magazine one with, actually i'll do four one with the magazine one with the book and one with the podcast okay so let's start with heyo biggest growth hack we used at heyo that drove the most revenue is we would go on to youtube and we would search the word webinar plus the name of one of our competitors so webinar plus short stack which is one of our competitors what we then saw were all the affiliates that did webinars for short stack promoting our competitor. I then reached out to all of them and offered to pay them a higher affiliate fee than what short stack paid them if they replaced those YouTube videos with with videos about Heyo. They did. We got new customers. That's a hack you can still use today. Go into YouTube, type in the word webinar plus your competitors, go steal their affiliates. Number 2, uh with the uh, with the podcast. Um how do you get a million downloads in the first month? Well, you arbitrage supply demand. So I interviewed 60 people and then I emailed all of them and said, "Hey, on release day I'm only releasing 10 of these. The first 10 of you that agree to email your lists your episode." As a result, starting from nothing, I was a nobody. We had almost 2.4 million emails going out on day 1. None of those emails were mine. They were all my guests. That's amazing, right? Let's take a pause here. What what do you think is that social behavior there? Say you have 50 episodes and you promise a list of people that i'm going to release only 10 why do you think that they care that their episode should go what difference does it make to a founder whether your epi- their episode goes out day 1 or day 14 or day 30 well people care about belonging so when they saw the list of other big names they're going oh i want to go live with the big names people want to belong to something that's why right so you usually that you know 10 names you had there five six of them are pretty big names and the rest of them is just you know fighting for the last seat you know the webinar hacks you do that's exactly right yep so that that's what happened we released those first 10 and then everyone else had to wait to be released some of them had to wait many weeks or months because we had a lot of demand very quickly today the podcast it's called the top entrepreneurs you can look up look it up on youtube or itunes just search my last name latka we just passed 15 million downloads so um we've had a ton of fun doing it and it's grown really nicely awesome Okay, what about the next one? Uh get yeah, so we'll Yeah, okay. So, um 
so uh well let's do so we did we did heyo uh we did the podcast let's go in order so let's do the book first right so what i did with the book was the same thing i did with the podcast i basically told everyone i'm writing this book uh it's gonna be i said it's gonna be a bestseller i said uh i'm only writing about five or ten ceos and I emailed all the founders I'd already interviewed on my podcast and said, do you want a one-page book sponsorship feature about you in a best-selling business book that'll be in every airport, right? And they came back and some said yes. And if they said yes, I said, here's the cost. And so I pre-sold and actually collected invoices ranging from as little as $1,000 up to ones as high as $10,000 for this book concept before I even wrote the headline. And so that's how I had $200,000 in book sales before we even went live. And that's what I used to go get the biggest agent in the world to represent me, which was Jim Levine, who represents the founder of you know, Satya Nadella at Microsoft, Tim Cook at Apple. He did all their books. And you go to his page and it's like all their books. And then this guy, Nathan Latka, how the hell did that happen? It's called Hustle and Hacking. That's how. So he represented me. And because he represented me, I was able to get a massive advance from a major publisher with Random House and Portfolio. And so that is who ended up publishing the book. Right. Magazine. I know you have at least two good stories there. Yeah. So the, the magazine, um, a lot of people think this is like a ton of work, which it is, but most of the data in here, like if you look at it, um, it's basically just printed off data from the interview, right? So revenue growth churn, like on the back cover, you see equity splits, you see revenue growth curves. Like this is all stuff where many people don't have time to read or, the, or listen to the whole podcast episode. So what you can do is just get the magazine and scan the data quickly. And so the world's top founders use this. We list companies for sale like DocHub in it. So buyers look at this, investors read it. And so one of the, one of the hacks I love about this is I really wanted sponsors for the, or advertisers in the magazine. So what I did is I just put a one pager in it for Slack and a couple other big brands, right? And it, look, it looks like they paid for ad placement, but I don't know people at Slack. I just put a free ad for them in my magazine so that people are like, wow, he has sponsors. And then people started asking, how can I sponsor? <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> we have very limited supply of sponsor spots in the magazine. They're this much per spot. Do you want to lock it down for August? And then people started locking it down. So you sort of fake supply demand to make that work. <laughs> Nathan, that one point makes me really happy because I've always contemplated doing that with the podcast as well. You know, hey, the Takeaway Club, you know, this episode is brought to you by Outreach. Next one, yeah. by sales hacker. But I, I don't have the skin to actually go through with it. Why not? I care about people liking me, Nathan. That's why. <laughs> well, then, 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 then use the in the sponsor read. Use a tool that talk about a tool that you already love. I love and use Figma. If I was launching a podcast today, I'd make sure whatever sponsor I was reading is also a tool that I genuinely love. And I'd say something like, "I want you know, we have so many people wanting to sponsor the show, but I look at them and I go, who do I love the most? Figma is my number one. I go to them for everything design." My engineers love it because they can do a quick SVG export to build the designer's code instantly. And Figma has given us a great deal. Check it out by going to nathanlacka.com forward slash Figma today. Again, that's nathanlacka.com forward slash Figma. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, email me at nathan at gitlatka.com. <laughs> but Figma has no clue. Figma has no clue. <laughs> Amazing. So but how, how do, you, do you think any of this is actually possible to translate to what you do with FounderPath? Well, well, FounderPath is a bit different, right? So, so 
Founderpath isn't a media business, right? Founderpath is not, you know, Founderpath, all these things I've talked to you about is about distribution and eyeballs, right? When I land a big sponsor, I can spend money on Facebook ads to get more eyeballs. It's a big media business. But now we have the largest list in the in SaaS, right? So we've got almost 100,000 people subscribed to our email, to our list. We send out an email every Monday morning. We have by far the highest open rates and I can drive thousands of clicks to any SaaS founder I want every Monday. We use that to now drive traffic into Founderpath. And so all this traffic, all these eyeballs, that's why Founderpath is growing so quick is we get customers at Founderpath for free because of the media business. Yes, so build the distribution first and then your product, right? So if people are going to do that, and I think it's essential, right? It's no longer... Uh, you have you to have distribution. To if you distribution is more important. Yes. What What advice would you give for someone approaching this in twenty one? For getting distribution. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know, people have a product and they don't really know how to get started with distribution or uh, how do they actually make it complement each other. So I wouldn't start with a product at all. I would pick a personality. I would pick a person that you want to work with the rest of your life and build things that get their attention. That's what I would start with, and then get the product later just tying back to founder path so did you know back in say 2017 or 18 when the podcast was already big that you were actually going to build something in fintech well, well no i didn't think about it like that what i thought about is i love working with SaaS founders and i really love working with bootstrap SaaS founders and founder path happens to be a fintech right. which helps bootstrap SaaS founders i didn't go oh i want to build a fintech in 2021 Right. It was just a natural extension to whatever you were already doing. Correct. And if bootstrap founders don't want to use Founderpath, then we'll totally change out the products at Founderpath into something else that they want. But Founderpath is going to be basically the operating system for bootstrap SaaS founders. Whatever they need, we're going to help them with. We think that we're going to put billions of dollars in the pockets of bootstrap SaaS founders over the next 10, 20, 30 years. We've already done, we've already given money to 80 founders 155 times and with a total of 16 million out. We're doing, you know, four to 10 million new every month right now. So it's growing quick. The last question before I like to jump into something called random deck. What are some of the things that Nathan Latka didn't get right? And uh, I have three things that you cannot say here, right? So Trump getting reelected was one that you said, which didn't happen not selling hayo earlier that was the timing is something that you didn't get right there and the indie hackers headline why founders are taking money from founder path when you should have actually told why founders are you know going crazy over this new fintech product and mentioned founder path at the last line those three are ruled out give me three different mistakes that you wish you didn't make at Heyo, when we raised the two million in venture capital, I immediately went out and thought the thing to communicate success is a big team, but all a big team means is more expenses, right? So I went out and hired forty people, and then over the year and a half after that, I had to fire twenty. So optimize for revenue per employee, not team size. That was a big mistake that I made sort of early on. Another going back even earlier to when I was eighteen, you don't want co-founders. If you can help it, you don't want co-founders because it slows down decision making. Ideally, I mean, look, the reason people bring on co-founders, like let's say you're a business person, you bring on an engineering co-founder because you can't afford to pay an engineer. Like think about creative ways to motivate the engineer that maybe don't have to do with equity or money. You just have to get creative here. And so the mistake I made at founder at Heyo was, um, you know, I had $70,000 in pre-sales. I went to my entrepreneurship club at Virginia Tech and said, here's my PayPal account with the sales. I proved I can sell. I don't have the tech. Raise your hand if you want 40%. And I'll give you 40%. Josh and Brian raised their hands at the same time. I gave them each 20%. And five minutes later, they were my co-founders. I didn't know them for 30 seconds. This was a major mistake, obviously. 
right? So like try and be a solo founder. If you can, you can move quicker and bet on yourself. Um, those are the two like quick ones that come to mind, Christian. I don't have a third off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I'm going to let you go because with the three that comes to, you know, five mistakes. All right. So let's jump into random deck. I'm going to increase the pace at which I ask the questions, but you feel free to take your time in answering them. Here goes the first one. What is an absolute non-negotiable for you in life? A non-negotiable, like something I would never do. Or is that some, what that means? Uh, or something that, you know, you'd never like do without. So something like, you know, integrity is non-negotiable for me. Well, but that's like obvious stuff. I'm trying to find something that's <laughs> something I believe that matches your question that most others would disagree with. Um, everyone wants to non-negotiable is integrity. Um, I mean, look, I, I think, I think I would say ownership, right back to my question, just about co-founders a second ago, non-negotiable for me is like, I want to die on my sword and I want to like celebrate on my sword. So I will always, it's like non-negotiable. I was always trying to minimize dilution. Ownership is all that matters. What is your favorite word in English? No. Oh, I really expected an S there. Yeah. The answer is no. That that's actually shocking, right? You are the antidote to no. <laughs> that guy is yep. always about getting the yes. <laughs> I know, but what I mean by that is like every Sunday I sit down and look at my calendar and I and I and I delete stuff. Like no one, most people, 99% of the world, they schedule a thing. And even if they realize that thing is now not viable, they still do it. It's so silly. So no, I tell people no all the time and I delete stuff all the time from my calendar. I, I if you look at a billionaire's calendar, it's usually blank. Right. Cause they can react real time to things happening. So like, I want as close to a blank calendar as possible every week. Um, so what is one thing that you want to be known for when you turn 80? Hmm. I want people wondering about what I'm going to do when I'm 81. Uh, you know, okay. you know, let me then flip this for you. What do you want your tombstone to say? Well, I, I think actually because of how health tech is advancing so quickly, I don't think I'm ever going to die. Uh, so I don't know that that will be a relevant question. Um, but what would I want my tombstone to say? Um, probably something related to competition. I'm very competitive. <laughs> I hope it would say something like, um, like, like the guy I could never beat, but I loved playing against. Nathan Laka is the guy, like at my funeral, that people I want people saying, gosh, this Nathan guy, like I could never beat the guy, but I loved playing with him. Awesome. Yeah, I have follow up there. So who are you competing with right now? I don't think it's, it's strategically advantage for me to say that I prefer to beat them and then tell them that they were my target all along. Um, um, hey, Ryan holiday. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that's a good example, but see, that's see, um, when people think com competing, people think beat, um, and Ryan, I really respect, which is why I set him up as a thing that I wanted to beat. I mean, that's why I did the book. And by the way, I didn't beat him, right? Like he sells millions of copies of his book. I'm like, let me see if I can write a book younger than him when I was younger than him and sell more copies. And I didn't, but guess what? It still, still, still sold 30,000 copies, top 1% ever of all business books sold. And the number one bestseller for a 21 year old ever in the business category. So Washington general bestseller still very successful there. But yeah, Ryan is an example back when I published the book of someone I was competing with. I would say right now I'm trying to maybe competing with Forbes, right? Like, can I out, can I, can I out, can I out, distribute my magazine relative to Forbes. Wow. There we have headline number two for the podcast. How much crypto do you hold right now? About 20% of my total net worth based off today's prices is in crypto. Wow. That, that, that sounds like a big bet. Um, I'd say it's the appropriate bet. I think it's the future. I mean, I went on Fox when I launched my book and I told Stu Varney on Varney and Co live on cable, millions of people watching 
and this was in January this year, this is January, 2021. I said, listen, Stu, a dollar today is going to be worth 75 cents at the end of the year. And Krishna, if you're following the news in the States today, <laughs> inflation is at all time highs. Right. right. So like I was right now, Stu was shocked when I said that he's like, Nathan, if the dollar loses that much value purchasing power wise, because of inflation, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. By the way, I think we're gonna be in a lot of trouble, but how, how are we going to respond? The fed's going to print more money. The more money that gets printed, the more Bitcoin's going to go up. Right. And I think money's going to keep being printed. So the hedge is crypto. Okay. So this is a two part question. Who's in your personal board of directors, people who you count on for advice? Oh man, this is going to be a terrible answer. I hate single points of failure. So I never want to be like reliant on one or two people like that, uh, sort of in my world. Here's what I will say. I'm a big sort of, I'm a big sort of committee driven guy. So if I ever am struggling personally with a decision, what I will do is try and find the two smartest people I know thinking about that subject, um, and let, and then provoke them to debate it publicly. And then I just take all the good stuff from that debate and apply it to my life. So like an example of that might be, um, actually I have a friend who's really big into BSV, which is sort of the opposite of BTC, Bitcoin versus BSV. So I would get my Bitcoin aficionados to debate this BSV guy, and then I'll make a personal investment based off who I think, like who I rationale in that debate with better. That's how I think about like personal board of directors. Let's say, you know, you have an offer that you didn't expect for founder path. Who's the first person you call? Oh, probably Pat Matthews at Active Capital. Got it. Yeah. So uh, the opposite of that, who's in your Mount Rushmore? People that you haven't really interacted with, but whose sayings or advice, whatever they said on the internet, it has had a big impact in how you have gone about doing things. Um, I mean, like like JP Morgan, right? I'm, I'm reading uh, the, you know, the history of sort of uh, JP Morgan Chase, the bank. I mean, a lot of how they got the bank off the ground back, you know, many, a long, long time ago is how I'm thinking about building founder path over the long term, right? Should we be the bank for bootstrap founders? Um, there are other people like just Benjamin Franklin, the amount of experimentation he did, and then how he doubled down on things that worked, I think is really a, just a valuable lesson. Um, there are others um, like Milken. I mean, I know he went to jail, but uh, I love how Mike Milken used junk bonds to fund the growth of many industries back in the day. Now, you know, I like that, but he also did illegal things. But I would also argue a lot of people pushing the limit, they do illegal things. But it, it all depends on if we like the illegal things they're doing public perception wise, if they get off with it or not. For example, no one went to jail at Uber for breaking laws, but we all love Uber because we all love Uber, right? Uh, like Elizabeth Holmes at Theranos <laughs> is going to jail probably because she said she could do something to prick a blood that jeopardized people's lives. Public perception is we don't like that, right? But like Elon Musk says, like, we're going to be on Mars in 2025. Well, is he going to go to jail if we're not on Mars by 2025? No, because the long-term vision of going to Mars is something we all want. Right. So um, that's sort of how I think about that. Yeah, I think that that's a super interesting observation. Right? You can sort of push the truth a bit if the truth is pushing in a direction that the public wants. Right. It's a matter of convenience. Correct. Like they'll forgive you. Like people want Elon Musk to be successful because he like throws his middle finger up to like <laughs> the treasury secretary. Sitting. Yeah. And talks about like, you know, is your PP small on Twitter? People love that shit. They go, oh my God, I love a publicly traded. They like you laugh at it. Everyone listening around is laughing. We want Musk to succeed because he's like this rich guy who like doesn't care about conventional rich things. What is the message that you would have in a billboard if it's going to be in every town in the world? It cannot be an advertisement or anything that you do. Oh, it would just, I mean, it would just say, who is Nathan Latko? question mark. But you don't get the link. Where, where will no, they go? Well, 
all that matters is they'll start wondering who's Nathan Lacka. Then they'll Google me. Then my search traffic okay. goes up. Then they'll, they'll like explore my podcast. They'll do what you did in preparation for this show. <laughs> but it would just be who the hell is Nathan Lacka? Who's the smartest or most interesting connection in your network you'd like to nominate for the show here? Johnny at Hoppin. I mean, he 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 came on my show when he was pre-revenue. He's in, this was only 18 months ago. Now he's doing a hundred million in revenue, 7.5 billion valuation, 500 million raised. And when you study how he's done it, he's effectively bought revenue and he's arbitraged. So VC markets are valuing Hoppin at like a hundred X revenue. He can buy other companies at a 20 X multiple. So he has 80 X of arbitrage. Every acquisition he does genius, genius. Awesome. So I'm going to reach out to him telling Nathan Latka wanted you on the show. Perfect. Right. So what is something I want to close off with this? What is something that I can do for you? The biggest thing you can do to help me is to title this episode, Founder Path Commits 100 Million to India. And, and then the reason is our best deals right now at Founder Path are with founders in Chennai and Pune and Bangalore. And our number one country that's being onboarded right now, like founders signing up are India-based SaaS founders. And so we really want to deploy like about wow. 100 million to 200 million in India in 2022 and 2023. That's amazing. I didn't know FounderPath was this big in India. Yeah, we're, we, it's, our, it's our fastest growing geography, way faster than the United wow. States. All right, Nathan, I think it probably sounds, you know, a little bit dramatic, but this is like, uh, you know, one of those fanboy moments for me. Having followed your work for three years now, I had no idea. I think in the invitation I sent out, if you look at it, there is at least like 20 WhatsApp screenshots that I've had with founders and people where I, you know, randomly like 2 a.m., 4 a.m., where I share something. Hey, look what Nathan Latka did. This is what he said when he went on this podcast or something. And uh, it's amazing that I got to do this. I think you did a great job. Uh, I've been interviewed a lot of times by some of the world's top interviewers and no one has done. I mean, you've clearly done a lot of research. You asked really good questions. I very much enjoyed it, Krishna. Thank you for having me on. Hey there. So that wraps up a conversation that I absolutely enjoyed recording and I hope you did too. If that's the case, kindly consider leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts, which will help the Takeaway Club find new like-minded people like you also consider subscribing to the takeaway club so we are at the takeaway dot club as well as the takeaway club dot substack.com just hit the subscribe button it's free and uh, you'll get all the latest episodes and other articles that i'm working on straight to your inbox have a great day ahead thank you once again for tuning in to the takeaway club